0: I saw the greatest pickup line the other day. I think Matt saw it. It said, hey, girl, are you sitting on the F5 key? Because that ass is refreshing.
1: <laughs> That's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so the greatest dumb. pickup line ever. I'm going to use it. It's so dumb.
2: Oh, my.
3: <laughs> yeah, you could put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right. All right. I'm good. Let's do some things. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode twenty-two of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are a few lovely people, including my co-host Dan. Hello, ladies. My co-host Tiffany. Hello. And our special guest for today, joining us for the whole episode, Mr. Matt Wolf. Also, hello, ladies. There's two Matts on the show. This is going to get complicated. This is this is a lot of man to go around for all the ladies <laughs> listeners.
1: <laughs> so much man.
2: it might be a one-to-one ratio though (laughs) all right everyone so quick pitch before we get started you can reach out to us on facebook by going and searching for the league of nonsensical gamers you can find us on twitter by searching for the league of nonsensical gamers shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com or chat with us on our bgg guild number 2077 where you can join the conversation including the conversation with mr matt wolf because he is one of our only posters (laughs) It's very generous. Uh,
3: It's a hipster poster then.
2: (laughs) He was posting before it was cool. Anywho, so today's show, we have some cool segments set up. We're going to do two for two, which is a new segment we're trying out where we highlight two games that are working well with two players. They don't have to be two player specific, but games that we like to play with just you and your significant other or your friend or in my case, Ben, who is both. Uh, we also have a hipster highlight set up where Matt Wolf is going to off the cuff just give us a game that we've never heard about. He might even just make it up. We don't know. You won't be able to find it. Could
3: be it. unpublished. Who knows?
2: <laughs> uh and then we are gonna dig in uh with Mr. Matt Wolf about his game Wombat Rescue, which is currently on Kickstarter. So I mean, you don't even need to listen to it. You should just go back it now. But there's gonna be some interesting stuff, so stick around. Before we get into any of that, though, let's go ahead and start, like we always do, with a little bit about what we've been playing. And I guess, should we do guests first, or people who haven't played any games first?
1: Guests first. Mm,
2: or guests. All right. Matt, anything you've been getting to the table that's uh, piqued your interest?
1: Um.
3: So I guess the game I played most recently um, was Dragon Rampage, which is a Richard Lanius game. So Tiffany is instantly
0: intrigued. Have you played this one, Tiffany?
1: No, I haven't. No? Um,
0: <laughs> Did you hear that inflection in her voice? No. No, yes. I haven't. Tell me yes. more. Yes. Hey, Tiff, Richard here. <laughs> 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 so it's, um, it's, of
3: course, because it's a, a Lanius game, there's some card flipping and dice rolling. Um, but it's it's actually really interesting where you are a bunch of explorers who are went into this dragon's lair you're trying to get gold uh, because you know dragons always have gold and you on your turn you're going to roll dice and what you roll and it's like yahtzee style rolling so you get up to three rolls what you roll is going to determine what you're trying to do whether you're trying to uh, attack the dragon run away steal treasure um, or whether you uh, roll the dragon faces which means that you're probably going to get some uh, hit points on your character and so there's a lot of social gaming in this game uh not bad social gaming so don't don't look aghast tiffany uh, but it's in because uh depending on what happens in the game it can end in one of three different ways it can either end where you slay the dragon as a group or it can end that you uh, someone runs away uh or it can end that one of the characters in the party dies and depending on how it ends will change how the scoring is done and so you thought you might have been doing really well uh, only if a certain ending to the game happened. But if a different ending happens, uh, then all of a sudden all those points you thought you had, you get nothing. Uh, so it's really interesting. You're trying to have other players, um, basically do what you want them to do to support kind of your, uh, the way you want the game to end. It's, it's, uh, it's actually a pretty neat game. Um, it's, it's best with five players. Um, uh, so it's, it's like a three to five player game. Um, but yeah, it's really, I was, I was, uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought it would, because I'm not a big like a kind of guy. I prefer euros, but it was it was really good.
0: Is it better than Eldritch Har or Arkham Har?
3: Um, I've never played Eldritch. I played Arkham once, and that was enough. Um,
0: oh, dude, you made it through <laughs> once.
3: <laughs> it, it was an eight-player game too, um, and yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was yeah, not for me.
0: Eight players.
3: Yeah, eight I players. would have committed
0: seppuku. <laughs> the definition eight of eight. regret. <laughs> yeah.
3: You would have invented a traitor role in that game. It's <laughs> like, all right, we're gonna end this fast. Yeah.
0: First person uh, to flip the table wins.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, it was definitely. Um, I, I enjoyed it more uh, because a it's faster, um, but b it it just felt um like uh your choices i think mattered a lot more i think in sometimes the full co-op games um they don't matter quite as much as they do in in competitive games
1: that's good to know this is on the i looked at this because it's on the board game geek store for 18 bucks is it really yeah yeah oh wow and uh but there are a lot of people that complain about downtime Hey, Tiff. Reading. It's
0: Richard here. I just wanted to address the downtime issues. <laughs> um oh
1: no,
0: I only you make see
1: what you've done, Matt Wolf?
0: I only make good games. I don't make games with downtime. I make games with fun time. <laughs> fun time is my specialty of course. and just to touch on the title Dragon's Rampage, my inspiration was Sherman's March to the Sea. um <laughs> as you know, I'm from the South, and that guy just <laughs> rampaged through the south and it was it was very inspirational, that's all I got to say. But seriously, downtime uh uh-uh. uh uh sister. Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay.
3: <laughs> so the serious answer to downtime is maybe the first time you play, but once you play, you know, once you kinda understand the choices and there's not much. And you are trying to on another player's turn, you might be like talking to them like you you need to re roll those runaway dice because that's not gonna help you don't 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 run away from the dragon come on help me fight you know and and so yeah you you can definitely stay engaged in other players turns.
0: this is matt wolf saying don't be a bitch
3: (laughs) don't don't act like the rogue that you're actually playing come on
2: tiff have you managed to play any games amidst orchestra season
1: Um, yeah, I mean, we still have board game club on Monday. So I haven't played any games with adults. But I have played games with my board game club kids were um, on. uh, We had a bus ride to Cedar Point, which takes about two hours. So a few of my kids were on that trip. And I taught them how to play uh, Lords of Waterdeep on the iPad on the way there. So we played a game of that on the way up, and then when we had Board Game Club the next Monday, we actually played it in cardboard form. And, wow, playing this game with kids is a lot more fun than playing with adults, I think. Really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's that's they're a lot more cutthroat than any group I've ever played with they are vicious with uh the mandatory quests and normally like mandatory quests would frustrate me but it's so much fun <laughs> to just they plot the social game way more than my group and it I think that's what makes that game fun they're they're like let's gang up against usually it's me but not always um and and they i was surprised at how quickly they took to it they're like oh this seems really complicated and then after they played a turn they're like oh i get this and so it's been successful we're actually going to uh start digital board game club for over the summer and play some
2: lord's of really? water via ipad That's yeah cool. yeah i'm
1: excited about That's it a good
2: idea now all these kids are gonna be asking their parents for ipads
1: they all have iPads. I work in an affluent district.
2: Ah, wow. Well, yeah. Fancy. Who are you playing games with online?
0: Oh, just my teacher. Ah. <laughs>
1: well, and most, what you have to <laughs> consider is that most of them I've taught since kindergarten and they're now in middle school. So, like, I know their parents well. It's not a matter it's of. Better like, it's
2: better than Tip's traveling board game club where she comes to your house over the summer <laughs> and. Some it of my kids I give lessons
1: to <laughs> over the summer in their house. So
2: She sleeps on their couch. <laughs> Mom, me and Miss Tiffany are going to go play Lords of Waterdeep downstairs.
1: <laughs> oh, stop.
2: Is it, is it cool if I stay for
3: dinner? Is that all right? <laughs> You'd be
1: surprised how many times that's happened to me because I teach lessons in some of my kids' houses, like private lessons, and their parents are – I mean, I get along with my kids' families. It's, it's a, a long-term thing. You kind of become integrated as
0: part of their whatever. Life. Maybe they're just setting them up for future. Don't be weird.
2: And I'm not Anyway, weird. well, no, so this is funny because I guess Lords of Waterdeep is usually considered like a gateway game, but your kids are pretty experienced, right? So, how do they well, feel about the, like, the weight of the game?
1: I mean, they're pretty experienced now that they they've explored more hobby games, but they're not experienced in longer hobby games okay. because when we started Board Game Club, I could we, I could only do it for an hour. So the games that we played are probably what we consider to be filler games most of the time. Um, they've they, we've ventured out of that a little bit, but this is the longest, heaviest weight game probably that they've played yep. and they like it a lot better so uh, it bodes well for next year because we're going to bump up the time to an hour and a half so that'll give me time to teach a heavier game and then us play it so so
2: by the end of next year it'll be three hours and you'll be playing agricola right
1: probably
2: welcome yeah. to board that's game the, club. that's
1: the kind of kids i have in in board game club yep. they actually we were talking and they're like we need more games like this one so hey, that's cool yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about yeah. it because that's exactly what I was hoping would happen.
2: Yeah, so medium light euros, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, you've been playing all kinds of stuff. So, speaking of medium light euros, I played board games. That's what I do. Congrats. Um, I had a
0: chance. Yeah. So I had a chance to play Elysium, which is a new release from Space Cowboys and Asmodee in the U.S. here, and Elysium is a game about Aspiring demigods. Um, I will start out by saying I wasn't inspired to be a demigod in the least because the theme is completely pasted on this game. (laughs) But um, from a production and art standpoint, it's got that mythical feel to it. Um, The game itself is a, I'd say, like an open drafting game with set collection. So what you're going to do, just to give you the quick, rundown is there is on your turn you have you'll take four turns in, in a round and each of these four turns you'll be either grabbing a card or grabbing a quest from the middle of the table um, where these come into play as far as the drafting is concerned is you also have these four different colored pillars red blue uh, green and yellow and on each of the cards there's a cost So one card might have red, one card might have red-yellow. And in order to draft that card from the center of the table, you must have the pillars of those colors. So if I take the red-yellow, I have to have the red and yellow still available. After you take a card, you have to decide which of the pillars you have remaining to discard. So you're trying to set yourself up for future turns not to get boned, because if I want that yellow card that I was thinking about next turn, Obviously, I don't want to discard my yellow pillar because then I won't be able to take any cards with yellow on them. So there's a really cool give and take there as far as the drafting is concerned. And when you draft a card, it comes into your player area, which is divided into two parts, the domain at the top and your Elysium in the bottom. Cards in your domain have powers on them, and those powers are activated to create combos and give you victory points and money, etc. Once um, the drafting phase is over, um, you'll be able to move cards from your domain into your Elysium. Once cards are into your Elysium, they lose their powers. And you're trying to create sets of either the same family, so that'd be all the same color, or all the same number in different colors. And then you get scored on how well you've done these sets, et cetera, without getting into too much detail. So there's a really neat, again, there's a give and take in the drafting part. And then there's also, you're you're building combos, which is neat, but then the, the decisioning comes into when you break those combos because everything in your domain is discarded at the end of the game and you only score those cards that are in your Elysium. So this game, for me, it had a real... I I called it an an Asmodee mashup feel to it. It kind of had that tableau build of splendor. It had the power and set collection of Abyss. It kind of had a Seven Wonders-ish drafting feel to it. Like, it was all of Asmodee's big games just mashed into this game and kind of tweaked. So, um, overall, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Um, It didn't blow my mind, but it was solid. And there's a lot of replayability because... There's eight different gods, so eight different decks, and at any one point, you're only playing with five of them. So you can mix and match the d- eight different decks to get different combos and abilities, et cetera. So a lot of replayability there. Um, again, nothing mind-blowing, but still a really solid game. I I enjoyed it more than like a Splendor. I thought it had a little bit more uh, meat to it. So I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at this or not.
2: Yeah, I was interested in it. Um... And our shop got the pre-release. I guess that Asmodee is trying to do like these board game pre-release kind of things. And I was it? Do you think it's worth the purchase? Because this is like sixty bucks, right? I purchased it. Um, I thought there was enough to explore there.
0: Um, again, I'm always of the mindset that if you know, once it gets old or if I don't like it, I could just trade it yeah. or sell it again. Yeah. Um, so I, I did purchase it because I do want to explore it a little bit further. I thought there was enough there to look into it further.
2: Yeah, I thought it looked cool. Um, It's definitely an interesting one. It's it's getting a lot of buzz right now. No, I mean, this game sounds cool. I want to play it, and I'm glad that you have it.
0: Yeah, it's excellent production. I think it's what we've come to expect from Space Cowboys. They've kind of, you know, whether you like their games or not, they've knocked the production part of it out of the water. The art's beautiful. The components are solid. Um, So,
2: yeah. Cool. All right, well, I will round out what we've been playing. Uh, One of the games that we've been playing a whole bunch lately, uh, primarily because it's so quick, is called Dimension. And this is part of the Cosmos line. Um, This just re-released with the reprinting of all their two-player games. This is not a two-player game. It's uh, one to four, Uh, but it is part of the Cosmos line. Um, It's a, I guess it's kind of like a dexterity puzzle speed game. Um, basically, you are stacking balls on top of each other into this little like ball pyramid in a specific way within a certain amount of time. So each round, there's six rounds in a game, lasts one minute and there will be six cards out in the middle of the, the table and those will dictate different rules that you have to follow when you stack these balls into this little pyramid. Well, it's things like these colors must touch, this Color must not be above anything. There must be four of this color. So these rules all combine to make a little puzzle each round where you're trying to place as many balls as possible to gain points because your your points are based on how many balls you use without violating the rules. Because if you violate the rules, then you lose points. Um, this game is super fun. I've been able to teach it and play it a bunch of times since I've got it. Um, no one's really had any trouble picking it up once they try it. Um, explaining it sounds a little funny, but once you actually play the game, you start to feel the tension and start to feel kind of the mess that is sorting through these, uh, through these rules and sorting through the puzzle in just a minute. Um, I, I really enjoy it. I'm really glad that I picked it up. It was a little expensive, um, but everything's really nice quality. You know, the cardboard components and the, the balls are like a, they're small, I don't know, like golf ball sized, um, wooden balls of like five different colors they're all really well put together and they give you enough for four people so i really enjoyed it i don't know if you guys have ever seen this game or have any interest in it i don't know if it's your style but i kind of went for it because i know kel loves spatial reasoning and and biff loves spatial reasoning so i thought i'd have some people to play it against and it's been a hit so far
3: so how how do the balls stay in
2: place good question because i was wondering that same thing so there's basically we're talking board games right Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> There's basically each person has a little like, it's like a cardboard player mat that has seven s- evenly spaced uh, holes punched. You have seven balls in your bottom layer that will th- they rest into that cardboard insert, and then three balls can stack on top of those seven, and then one ball can stack on top of those three. So that's how it all fits together and stays put. So you can get a maximum of eleven points per turn. But each rule that you violate loses you two points. You could lose 12 points per turn if you just completely mess everything up. So it's pretty cool. I I dig it. Do blue balls count for minus points? They don't, but they're hilarious every time. Uh, (laughs) And I actually we were just like messing around and I took a couple videos. Like I set my phone up and just took like quick 45 second videos of us putting these things together because it's actually kind of funny to watch like you try to puzzle through it. I'm debating putting them on the Facebook page, but there's a large amount of expletives in it because about 30 seconds in when I realize I missed a rule, I shout and then have to dismantle my whole thing. But anyway, uh, other than that, it's pretty cool. I like it. All right. So that is what we've been playing, everyone. We are going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into two for two where we're going to chat about some two player games. So join us then. Right, everyone welcome back it is time to get into two for two a new segment that we've designed to chat about those games for just you and your player too whoever that may be your dog your best friend your partner whoever uh so we have two games lined up and the first one is going to be patchwork this is by Uwe rosenberg and mayfair games and this is by far one of my favorite two-player games um Barring the quilt theme, which basically has no bearing, uh, essentially what you're doing is a cool spatial reasoning puzzle where you are tile drafting and tile laying. So you have a 9 by 9 player board, and out in front of you and your opponent is a giant circle of different Tetris-style patches that you can pay for and draft into um, your, your board, basically. So... In this game, the currency is buttons, because I think that's how the real quilt trade works. You pay for everything in buttons. Uh, You'll be given an allowance, a budget at the beginning of the game, and you will spend those to get patches. And then throughout the game, through a clever kind of timer mechanic or mechanism, your patches will be triggered and you'll have an income phase. So basically, throughout these patches, there is a different arrangement of button income that you can get from them and then also their cost. And usually those correlate in some way. So more valuable patches will have a higher cost, but they might give you buttons as the game goes on. So every patch that you buy also advances this timer by a certain number of spaces and you advance your piece. And when you cross certain areas, you'll get paid in buttons, which you can then spend to draft new tiles. Now, that's a kind of quick and dirty way to describe the game. Um, that's basic mechanics. There's a lot of strategy and a lot of decision making to be made in this game. And I just think it's a really well-designed two-player game. Um, now, it's two-player only, so it, it doesn't have a chance to work with any more players. But I think that the the clever back and forth between uh, players trying to draft certain tiles to benefit themselves, to try to block their opponent, and then also try to position themselves and try to set up future moves um is really interesting and it's a game that i have literally not found anybody who doesn't like it so far i played with my mom i played with my brothers i've played with kel and i have i've given it out to people to just kind of take and play and everyone comes back either having purchased their own copy or really enjoying it so you know i'll look to you guys for your opinions on the game if you've played it but i just really think that this is a a really thinky and kind of quick and very successful euro style game
3: Have you been able to complete your your quilt?
2: I have never completed my quilt, so that's a good question. Now, there is a challenge within this game, and I'll I'll speak to that really quick. Basically, you want to fill your quilt as much as possible, because at the end of the game, every open space is worth minus points, worth negative two points per space. So completing your quilt is the ultimate goal, because that means everything that you've amassed in buttons at the end of the game will be your victory points, and you won't lose any of those. But if you play like I do, most of your games end negatively because you've got lots of open (laughs) space and you just haven't played very well. So while I do like the strategy in the game, I can't say that I'm very good at it. Um, It's just a tough, unforgiving game. And I guess maybe I should have put that into the description, but I wanted it to feel very light and flowery and fun for for two people. But really, it's a little cutthroat. Save the flowers for your quilt board, Matt. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. Dan, what do you think? Because I know that you actually, you got this for me for my birthday, and you kind of played it with me just out of... Best brother ever. <laughs> <laughs> you played it with me just kind of on a whim, but I think you liked it, right? I do. I really like this game. It's uh,
0: quick, easy. I love spatial reasoning games. Uh, I taught it to TIFF, actually. And, yeah. yeah it was... Um, a success in my book. I might even pick up a copy from myself. I don't know. It's right up there with Tarji for me as one of my favorite two players. Yeah. I really like it. And it.
1: That's high praise.
0: And coming from like Uwe Rosenberg, it's one of those things like you wouldn't expect. Because, I mean, you do have to feed your quilt. but you to feed your quilt. Other than that, you know, it's just, it's kind of an off the wall thing. And we've joked about it before. It was so interesting to see two games last year come out with a quilt theme. And this one just seems to be the way more successful one.
2: Quilt, quilt Show is not uh, that great. This, no, is, this is the quilt, the quilt game, quilt game you want in your life. Yeah. So if you need a quilt, go with Patchwork. Yeah. Now, Matt, have you gotten to play this?
3: I haven't. I've seen it played several times yeah. at, uh, at the local store. Um, and people, they're always... They, they're looking straight down at their quilt, and I see them with a furrowed brow, like, oh man, what, am I, <laughs> what piece am I going to pick? And it seems really interesting, but now I just haven't had a yeah. chance to play it yet.
2: Are you a big two player gamer in general?
3: Yeah, my wife and I play games all the time. Yeah. She's um,
2: like my first play tester for stuff I
3: designed. Yeah. And then you know, just last night, you know, we played a, a couple of games. Uh, so, yeah, I really, really try to look for games that support uh, two players pretty well.
2: I think that another big pro for this game is that it's only 25 bucks. Now, when you look at the price, like two player games that are fast and quick and thinking like this at that price point, it's just it's such a no brainer. And unfortunately, it seems to be sold out the current print run. So maybe your store locally has one floating around. Um, our, I know our store has a couple still floating around, but I definitely would get your hands on this game if you could, if you like two player games now. Tiff, I don't want to leave you out of the conversation. Dan taught this to you, so that means that you may or may not have played it correctly.
1: (laughs) No, I think he got all the rules that time. Good job, Dan. Um, You guys
0: can suck it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to kick you in your dimension balls. (laughs) 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 Aim for the blue ones.
1: Oh my god. Um... Yeah, I just played it the one time with Dan, but I liked it enough. Uh, I do have my own copy of it, but two-player is hard for me to get in. I don't have that ready-made like partner that always wa- can play a two-player game. Usually two-player games are if a group or if there are people in my group that are already playing a game and there are just two of us hanging out, uh, that's when those get played and that's not very often so but i do like it i thought it was worth purchasing
2: so you're going to pass on this for luchador mexican wrestling dice if you ever get a two player game in right
1: <sighs> luchador is getting played next week i one of yes it is dan don't shake your head it's going to happen i have a guy in my group who texted me this week and he's like hey i'll get to to the group early and we can play this cuz i know it's on the top of your stack cuz he listens to the oh. show so A second I think we're fan.
2: Gonna, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's Kyle. He po he actually posts in our guild too. So hi,
2: Kyle. Bring him yeah. chocolate or something. I'm winking, but you can't see me. We <laughs> need to reinforce that behavior.
1: <laughs> Audio wink. So yeah, it's gonna get played for sure next week.
2: All right. Well, let's go ahead and transition out of Patchwork. Definitely a game to check out if you enjoy two player games. Uh, Matt Wolf, what is your impromptu two for two mystery game? What do you got?
3: So, this is going to be a slightly controversial choice um, because most people don't think this plays well with two, but Gloria to Rome. Uh, my wife, Marcy, and I really like playing this one. And I think um, Gloria to Rome, it's definitely better with like three or four players. But I think with two players, it becomes super cutthroat because you're only focusing on your opponent. And so when they build a building and they're looking for, you know, concrete or something, then, you know, there's no way in hell I'm putting concrete out into the pool because then you'll be able to, you know, go grab it and use it on your building. And you can really kind of counteract certain buildings uh, much more effectively if, you can just focus on you know one person who's who's building it um so yeah we we really like playing it we even have a little trophy that we uh, pass back and forth after <laughs> one of us wins um so we kind of gloat slightly um but yeah that that one it's if you know obviously you can't find it cuz it's out of print you can find ycronia i think ycronia is still in print um but there's the uh, the new one coming out which i'm not going to attempt to pronounce um motonai that, uh, yeah, there you Sound go. Like chocolata. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that one's supposed to be very much in the same vein. So if if and I, I think I think he's tuned it um to play with two players, uh, so that if you're looking for two, I would look when that one comes out. I think it's actually supposed to hit Kickstarter next week. I think
2: next Monday. Yeah. Well, Tiff, I know you've been playing Glory of the Room or you played it recently. Does that like does this pick make you aghast?
1: It makes me ex- a gas. I don't know. I've never played it with two players, but I, I've played it with four players a lot, and I really love that. So I, I've been afraid to bust it out with two players, but if uh, if Matt Wolf says it's good with two players, then it might be good with two players.
3: Two, two experienced players. Like if you're if you're playing it with someone who hasn't played it a lot, you know you'd probably have an advantage. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, which is true with a lot of games. Uh, but yeah, if you have two players who have played before and they know what they're doing, I think it's it's pretty pretty uh, satisfying.
1: I'll have to make uh, Chris Kopack play this with me then. I think we have an equal amount of experience with the yeah. game, so
2: that back yeah. and forth that you described is like such a great feeling for two-player games. It's just when you both know what you're doing and you're both mm-hmm. really, you just you see the board. You both are reading it the same way. You know what people need, and and just that interchange and how you play off each other is really nice, especially in games that are usually that play three and four players because they they mix it up more. Trying those out two player games to get that direct back and forth is always really interesting. We did Ben and I did that with Arboretum recently, which isn't comparable in depth, but I, I enjoyed the difference between the four player and the two player game.
3: Yeah, that's that's another one that's actually surprisingly good with two. And you can you have that moment where I really don't want to discard this card because I know you need it, but yeah. I don't want to discard anything else. And yeah, you can really just ha almost have like that hyper focus on your opponent.
2: Yeah. And that is what's awesome about two player games. So this will definitely be a segment that we bring back um and keep trudging along the two player line. Um there's lots of games out there that work well with two players, maybe some that you know about, maybe some that you don't, you know. I certainly didn't know that Glory to Rome was uh was an option. So Dan maybe uh I'll have to make you play that with me even though you're not a big two player guy. I'll have to make you play that cuz you're the only one I know with a copy. It's under my seat in my car. Oh, I thought you are sitting on it right now. You just have Glory <laughs> to room just available, available at all times.
1: Incubating it. <laughs> yep.
2: on
0: it keeping, keeping it warm. warm. <laughs> like a mama hen. <laughs> that was the original art
3: then and not the uh, black box if you're doing that.
2: It is the original art one I have. He's sitting on a super expensive out-of-print game right now.
0: <laughs> I, I, lo- I kind of like the quirky original art. I'm not going to lie. You're like, insane. I just think it it gives it charm.
1: Nope. It's hideous. There's a certain kind of charm.
0: I don't see. I personally think the black box could look better. I think what they did with that was it was good, but I think it's I think it could be better.
1: I like the artwork they have for the European version. Yeah, the European
0: version looks really good. Like the Polish so perfect. and Italian version It does look a lot better. But
3: how often does that happen? You know that the European version has the better art
0: always
2: the
3: American market.
2: It's ridiculous. <laughs> Eva Java, <laughs> the coffee game, the dice game. I want that box.
1: I want that box
2: too. <laughs> so okay. bad. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, that was two for two. Be sure to let us know on the guild or through our other social media how you felt about the segment, what we can do differently. Maybe give us some feedback or maybe games that you want to hear featured. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to jump into a hipster highlight from the hipster king himself, Mr. Matt Wolf. So stay tuned for that. Cue funky Polish techno music. <laughs> All right, everyone, we are back, and let's get right into a hipster highlight from the Hipster King himself. Matt Wolf. what do you got for us?
3: All right, so I'll give you uh, one that's going to make Dan very jealous. Uh Uh, Yes, because this game is called Pony Express, and it is uh, designed by Bruno Fiduti and Antoine Bauza. Oh, sweet yeah Ooh. this one was put out um, by funforge I think um about 2008 2009 somewhere around there so it's a little older this is in uh, Bowser's like sort of uh lighter design phase when he was doing games or Man <laughs> manager <laughs> yeah and and uh, Bakong and some of his earlier stuff that was aimed at a, at a kind of a simpler uh, style um, but this one is, is it's really interesting in you're rolling uh, dice that have poker faces on them um, and you're trying to make basically poker hands secretly in order to move and uh, on, on this on this track on the board and the other players after you you know you finish what you're rolling and you say hey I have uh, four of a kind. And that would allow you to move a certain number of spaces. Any other player can can challenge you on that to see if you're bluffing. And like if they're wrong, something bad happens to them. If you're wrong, something bad happens to you. I think you go to jail. And um so it's it's actually you know a bluffing roll and move game where you also have dexterity because you might get into a shootout with other players where you have to flick dice at each other and not try to knock down your little uh, cowboy meeple and the first person who is able to do that uh, the the other player goes to jail you know, not the hospital they go to jail because you know, that's what happens in the old West when you get shot in a shootout um, and then the other player is still on the same uh, space so it's this really really weird combination of mechanisms in this game but it's it's I don't know. I have never played anything quite like it, but I thought this would be a a appropriate one to uh, to highlight just to make Dan sad that he can't play it. The
0: cheapest copy
3: is seventy five (laughs) bucks. Yeah, I I, will find this. (laughs) I don't know if they'll ever uh, reprint this or not. I I don't know how well it did when it came out, Um, but it's definitely unique. So, Dan, and when you come down for that board game thing, I have a copy,
0: so we can play. All right, we'll play it. The um, is the Fun Forge edition the French edition. I think it's. I would think so. Yeah. Okay. I will find that. Don't worry. I will scour my
2: European connections. How did these like weird mashup games get created? I have no idea.
3: Uh, our brains are very strange places. And, <laughs> you know, who knows how things you know come to the surface and and come out. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to to ask uh, one of these designers just you know what the story was behind it because it is it is weird and it's, you know weird is weird is usually
0: fun. At least for me, if I ever get a chance to talk to Antoine Bowles, I'm not sure words would come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> i be like, and here's my translator.
3: <laughs> he goes to GenCon, right? I mean, I'm you sure have he's... talked. We to did. Him.
0: I talked to him last year. I got him to sign my um, Lois and Clark designer card. That uh, him and yeah. Cathala are on. We went up to both of them. Lois and Clark, the Superman Lewis game. Lois, you sorry. always do that. I always do that. I don't know why. Lois and Clark is a much worse game.
2: <laughs> it sounds like it.
0: <laughs> if it's anything like the show,
2: <laughs> look at these crazy meeples. Oh man,
0: they are. Yeah,
3: they're they're these custom cowboy meeples. You have some Indian meeples too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a wacky game, that's for sure.
2: People should go check. I just this out. sold
0: my Golden Ages. Maybe I'll use that money to get this. <laughs> oh my! Damn you, my, you, Matt Wolf!
1: Look what you've done, Matt Wolf! <laughs>
0: you evil. Uh, Hipster temptress you. (laughs) My work here is done.
1: (laughs) That's what he does.
0: (laughs) That is what he does. You uh, you bastard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Matt, you got one that's going to make me sad too?
0: Yeah. Make Tiff tiff jealous.
1: You don't have to. I've probably uh, spent uh, hundreds of dollars because of you. So (laughs) we're good. How about
3: about Los Memphos? You ever hear that one? Uh Uh-uh.
2: But she owns a copy now. Now we're, now we're speaking Spanish <laughs> on the podcast.
3: Uh, Los Memphis. This one is... I, <laughs> the reason I, I went and got this one was because it involves poop. And I was doing a lot of research for uh, Wombat Rescue. I had to make sure that it, you know if anyone was going to ask me about these other games that have poop in them, that I knew about them. Um, it's actually elephants. by... Damn it, you took hey. one of my questions. <laughs> Aha! Preempted you. Um, it's it's about uh, donkeys that are going around a circle of tiles, and you're going to feed them different colored food pellets. And eventually, uh, when you play a certain card, you're going to uh, that that donkey is going to poop out all the pellets that has been fed to it, and you're trying to to. Basically, remember how many pellets are in each donkey so you guess correctly. And if you guess correctly, you're going to get more of the pellets when they come out, and then whoever has the most pellets at the end basically <sighs> is going to win. It's super light, but it's ridiculously fun, especially because the donkeys uh, are these really, really nice wooden donkeys that they put together, and the little wood pellets fit inside, and you pick up the tail in order to have all the pellets come uh, you know, cascading out the bag once you're ready. To- I think
0: Tiff just pooped herself.
3: <laughs>
1: and there's nowhere to buy it. <laughs> I know, so
3: it's hard.
1: <laughs> you know, but that's my favorite thing about hipster games is tracking them down. Like, it's one of my favorite it's things. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play them once or twice, probably just knowing how my game habits work, but just tracking them down as part of the fun. So this is by Rüdiger Dorn.
3: Yes, it is. I love it. Hey, hey. yeah. And uh, he designed it um, with, uh, I'm not sure if it's his wife or his kid. But, yeah, Maya. Uh, or his yeah. donkey. <laughs> like, it could be that too, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a—it's uh, really different from, you know, so if you're expecting Istanbul, it's not that. Uh, it's, it's, it's light, but it's just ridiculously uh, cute kind of a uh, game.
1: I will find this.
0: <laughs> all right, Tiff. How many tacos did you give the donkey? Do you remember? <laughs> i
1: got tacos be... right here. Look at that. I
2: can see... What?
1: What? Oh. Look, tacos from Taco Bell.
2: Between you and your tacos and Dan sitting on Glory to Rome, we are so prepared today. <laughs> this is yeah. strange. Just poop themes all around. Oh, my. <laughs> all right. Well, Matt, well, if you have nothing, that can make me jealous because I just don't care about games that I can't find. <laughs>
3: Well, see, that's gonna be a, a challenge then. Really, is it this Ameritrash game that you've never heard of? I can't uh, tempt you with that one.
2: I don't. I don't appreciate being pigeonholed into this Ameritrash circle. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Just live with it. There's 21
0: episodes. <laughs> I am who I am now.
2: <laughs> Hey, you're Matt from the podcast Nonsensical Gamers. Do you want to go and roll dice on a table with me? Oh man,
0: I got this zombie apocalypse game. There there would be worse
3: things to be accused of typecasting of. Yeah. It's true.
2: I was gonna think of something, but it's only gonna get more inappropriate from here. So I say we just call it there, you know? That's fine. Okay. We're not on the dice tower yet. We think it's inappropriate. What Tiff?
1: If we include no no no, not you. Matt (laughs) Wolf. Not you. Come on. Uh (laughs) (laughs) we got my mentor here on the on the podcast. But no, this was Mr. Sensei. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Um, if we have, if I include Wombat Rescue, which I just backed, they, uh, this will be the third, if I find Los Manfos, the third poop game in my collection.
3: <laughs> What's the other one?
1: Kalimambo. Ah,
3: that is a good one. Your collection is so shitty. <laughs> ah, this man. guy. Oh man. Right. How about, uh, you don't have dungeon pets?
1: No, I oh, don't. There's
3: lots of poop in that.
1: I'm not a big Vlada person.
3: That's that's fair. I mean, he I can't you know.
1: get through the rule books. I can't.
3: He's very yeah, I, hit or miss for me. Yeah, and I like him personally, but yeah, I it, it's uh, a lot of people feel that way. You know, he's uh not he's definitely not for everyone.
1: I haven't attempted that game. Maybe I'd like it. I don't know,
2: but there is poop. I haven't. I just haven't played it. You have to clean up the poop.
1: Mmm. That that sound. I like cleaning and organizing <laughs> things. Maybe it'd be okay.
3: <laughs> There's a primordial soup as well that also. Has poop in it.
1: I've looked at that one. Yeah. <laughs> I like this donkey thing though. It's <laughs> adorable. Okay. Sorry. All right. I sidetracked us onto poop games.
2: Well, we're gonna that take a couple poop. hour break mm-hmm. while Tiff tracks down this game. She's got some phone calls to make. <laughs> in multiple languages. Uh we're gonna we're gonna grab a quick break and when we come back, let's chat about more poop, but specifically the most interesting poop you've ever heard about because it's cube-shaped. So stick around for that.
0: All right, cool. So we're back, and as you've noticed, well, hopefully you've noticed, we've been joined by Matt Wolf, who is the designer of the recently launched on Kickstarter game, Wombat Rescue. And I'm not going to steal his thunder, but I am going to ask him to give us the quick elevator pitch on Wombat Rescue.
3: All right, so elevator pitch is this game is all about
0: pooping cubes
3: out into the playing area because you are playing as a uh, mama wombat of of your tribe and uh, you would navigate by smell. And wombats uh, actually poop cubes in real life. Uh, that's not just an excuse for a, a theme uh, in a in a game. It's actually uh, true. So they they do that because they use the, that as smell markers for navigating their territory because their eyesight is just atrocious. Uh, so, yeah, in this game you're going to be moving around the board, eating food, digesting the food, And then pooping out cubes and trying to rescue all your babies uh, that are out on the board and trying to to, uh, not let uh, the dingo try to uh, catch you as well. Really silly theme um, that uh, actually kind of belies the strategy that that is in the game a little bit. But it's been a lot of fun to kind of show people and um, (laughs) kind of takes people from surprise uh, or by surprise uh, sometimes when they learn about
0: it. So, all right. So, I mean, I guess the question most people want to know is, how the hell did you come up with this <laughs> idea? Like, what was your inspiration behind this? I know you touched on some research you did for it, but like, what really just made you sit there and go, I'm going to crap on someone's tabletop? <laughs> not literally.
3: Not it's, that's, a, uh, that's the $5,000 Kickstarter level. Yeah. Uh, but,
0: <laughs> Matt Wolf comes uh, to your house. <laughs> that's right.
3: Oh, no. uh, the, <laughs> we have made <laughs> Tiffany even more uncomfortable. Listeners, we've done our job. Um, so it was literally learning the fact that wombats poop cubes. Uh, that was the entire impetus behind the game. And as soon as I learned that, because um, I, I like playing Euro games and most Euro games have uh, cubes in them, and I was just thinking, man, there, there's got to be a game in that somewhere. I mean, you have this animal that poops cubes. And so it's literally, it was just from that little factoid uh, and just kind of figured out from there how to <laughs> kind of design a game around the way that wombats actually
0: uh, uh, really work in real life. Yeah, I know when you first described it, and I think I heard it on, a, I guess probably a State of Games a couple years ago, I guess after I'm pub four mm-hmm. and I was just blown away. I was like, and I immediately like, you know, as I was in the car, I, I probably shouldn't have been on my phone, but I did jump on my phone. And I remember, and I was like, Holy crap! They do poop cubes. Like I didn't believe like that they really did, but no one does. So They don't roll away or something. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so you know they're 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 more likely just to stay where they put them. So it's a it's a known navigational uh, beacon, so to speak. Yeah, and no one like it's just so such a strange thing that as far as I know, no other animal actually does that.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool looking. I mean, I don't sit there and you know gaze at wombat poop the
2: truth comes out
0: or
1: he google image searches this
0: i do but it's
2: interesting to think like are their butts square like how does this happen like it's just really interesting you can look it up actually we did but this is a gaming podcast yeah we're not going to get into (laughs) um,
3: it's not not a biology
2: podcast. yeah this is an animal kingdom very interesting and matt you've clearly done your research yeah i did cool thing like it's such a unique theme well that's... how did that translate into the player board which is actually the digestive system
3: so um yeah i, I researched into kind of you know what wombats do and and how they live their lives what tv shows they watch what people they like to follow <laughs> stuff like that and uh it turns out that it actually takes uh, wombats like two weeks to digest food um and that's an extraordinarily long time most mammals don't uh, it doesn't take that long, uh, especially if you have Taco Bell. And then, um, so you, you have this very long digestion uh, period, and that kind of keyed me in, like, oh, okay. So if you eat food, it actually should take several turns for it to digest. Uh, and so that just kind of naturally fit uh, in, in into the game and made the decision of where to move around. Uh, you know, a, a really enticing mixture of tactics and strategy as you know this turn i need to move you know kind of in this area but two or three turns down down the line i know i want to kind of be over here and so you have there's a lot you're trying to to balance uh when it comes your your turn to to make decisions
0: yeah it is it is cool i I know i've played it and tiff's played it matt you haven't but we'll get that to the table with you soon um it's really unique how you're just and you really have to do the timing of the whole digestion system because if you poop in the wrong spot, it's just not <laughs> beneficial to anyone. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's it's true. It's just like real life. I mean, you just don't <laughs> you just gotta really navigate where you wanna lay down your poop. But um yeah, no, that's I love the the little digestion thing and, and talking in the player board. So the art for this game. So the art for this is done by, I I can't think of the artist's name off the top of my head. It's Matus Sislik. Yes, I knew it was a Matus. And this is the same gentleman who did... um, Waggle Dance. Waggle Dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's got that really cool paper mache. If you guys haven't looked at this, go immediately to the Kickstarter page, because if the the art doesn't sell you, and the poop, I don't know. The art is not poop. Let's just say that. Um, (laughs) You're on a roll, dude. I am. Thanks. <laughs> the poop just keeps coming. Like a diarrhea mouth. Uh, <laughs> it's a twofer. Man. Anyway, so were you really kind of got like, what drew you to his artistic style? I know, like, again, it's a unique theme. It's, it's kind of fun. Is that something you were going for just to keep it light?
3: Um, so I actually noticed his style uh, from the Waggle Dance uh, Kickstarter project and i saw, saw that artist like man that that's really phenomenal um and after uh wombat rescue got signed i he was the second artist that i approached the first one um um whose name i'm blanking on but she did a book called digger um which is about a wombat that goes on a journey uh to Well, it's almost like a uh, And a big adventure journey, Ursula Vernon—that's that's that's her um, name—which is a big uh, graphic novel um, just about, yeah, this wombat that goes on a journey. She actually lives in my area too, so I and it won uh, a Hugo award um, actually, so it's pretty, Uh yeah, so it's 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 a really good book. Um, And so she was our, our first choice. Because you know, kind of that connection and her her style that she does uh, she does really nice sort of um, uh, how would I put her style like she does she illustrates a lot of children's books but it's a, it's like a slightly more mature style than than your typical children's book uh, illustrations. A there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we you know thought that would be a really good fit and because she's local you know I could play the game with her and so she'd get an idea of how things would work but unfortunately she was too busy to do it um, so then uh, Matt uh, Matt was uh, he just goes by Matt with a single T instead of Mateus. Um he he was the next choice, not because like he was you know uh, silver metal or anything I mean his illustrations are just incredible uh, and I just really really liked the illustration style of Waggle dance and I wanted to find something that was going to stand out um, I think. Especially when you're doing Kickstarter projects, the more you stand out uh, in a good way, the the better. Um, there's so much that's coming out. You you really need to kind of find your your niche and and how you can rise above all the other stuff. Um, and I mean, I see projects all the time that that struggle, and it's not necessarily because they're uh, poor games or anything. It's just because they're it's just another. Oh, okay. There's a game about an architect. Eh. You know, and it's just, it's not exciting. So uh, yeah, it was, it was. You know, I, I emailed Matt and said, yeah, we're looking for an illustrator. And it's, this is the, the game and described it. And, and he was interested and, and he's just done an absolutely incredible job. I, I couldn't, couldn't be more happy with how the illustrations have come out.
0: Yeah, I think, I think he accomplished what you wanted because that game really stands out. Not only on the Kickstarter page, but on the table. Like I know, I've played it, and people have just walked by and gone, "What is that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's a game about pooping wombats," and then <laughs> and then they're just drawn in even more. So it's it the theme with the art, and it's just a really great package. I I commend you on that. Um,
3: thank so. you. Yeah, that was it's definitely um it's a good point about seeing on the table. Um, we've probably all played games where you know, at a at some kind of event or at your local store and you're, you have something on the table and people come by like, oh, what is that? And, and I, I know people do that with like Terra Mystica when that first came out because of all the the pieces and, and the artwork there. And uh, that's another way of, of yeah, just kind of capturing attention in a, in a flooded market.
0: So we've touched on, you know, unique themes. So this game obviously has one. So that seems to be, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, just from playing some of your other designs, it seems to be kind of a a niche in a way that you're going for. You don't want to do some old white guy shipping stuff in the sea and things like that. So is that from a design standpoint, from your own personal preferences, is that something you aim to do, or is it just kind of how you develop your games? You just, you know, somehow it just fits onto the theme. So I guess ultimately, do you go theme first or do you go mechanic first?
3: Um, 90% of the time I I think of a theme first. Um and I do tend to think of some more quirky themes because those are that is my preferences as a gamer um, I'm very much like like Tiffany kind of like the quirky stuff um, it's, that also fits in with my hipsterness because um, I'm always gonna go find the the quirky stuff if I can um, but yeah I, I almost always start with theme and I've found the designs where I start with with theme and and build make, uh, mechanisms around that theme almost always come out better than if I start with a mechanism and try to put a theme on. There is no right or wrong answer for this question. It just depends on the specific designer. I know there are other designers who start with mechanisms <laughs> and they and then they just find a theme and it works for them and that's and that's awesome. Um, but for me, in my designs, at least to this point, it's always been. Uh, A more cohesive, better design when I start with theme. And I do have um, one game that is a weird theme for me because it's actually uh, like a super kind of stereotypical uh, Euro thing where it's set in an ancient uh, Arabian city. You know and that's you know that would totally be oh I, I we've got a guy standing on the box cover looking over the distance at the city kind of thing um but that it was just because I had a you know I, I heard read about this uh, the lost city of Ubar and how it sank into the sand and I was like wow that would make a really interesting board game it just kind of came from there um, but yeah the, usually you know, it's it's a little bit more quirky than something like that
0: just put a, a monkey a genie and a flying carpet on the cover and you'll be fine <laughs> Right.
3: <laughs> uh, then it's not going to be entirely accurate thematically, and you get people on BGG that will be, oh, I can't possibly play this because it has a monkey on the cover and yeah, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's cool, and I, I think we all agree that unique themes, again, standing out in the, a saturated market, like you mentioned, I think those are those are the ones that really do it for me. I think they're just they're just so much more interesting to play. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. Yeah, and I see something come out um like uh what what's Ignasi's latest game that's coming out that Rattle Battle Battle. Right. And I'm sure it's a really good game cuz he's a an excellent designer, but man it just does not capture my interest because it's like eh, pirates eh, okay. It's, I mean, I'll I'll play it if you know someone like uh, has it, and I guess it's coming out at Gen Con, I think. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm sure he'll it'll, it'll, it'll sell a million. Well, not a million, but he'll sell a lot of copies, and and people will be playing it. And I'll get in the game, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. But it just doesn't just doesn't spark like like it's not on my list where I'm like, oh, I need to go get that. I'm gonna race to his booth first thing. You know, if it if it was some other theme that captured my attention, then I probably would. Even though same you know same mechanisms in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree on that. So, I guess on the topic of like mechanics and theme, we had a question from one of our listeners, Robert, and he was curious from your experience with publishers. Do you think they are looking now more at new designs as a whole, so the theme and the mechanics, or are they really more concerned with just the potential of the mechanics in the design?
3: That's a that's a really good question. Um, it will depend on the specific. Publisher, um, your more traditional publishers are probably going to look more for mechanisms and, and how the game plays, and they'd be willing to retheme it. Um, some newer publishers would look at the the more holistic thing, and they're just like, oh, this is this is a really cool theme, and, and it's enjoyable to play. Hopefully, uh, if it's not, you shouldn't be pitching it. Um, and then they would uh, probably just take it kind of full theme and mechanisms together. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably on average, they're looking more on how does it play, and that's largely mechanisms. And they would not hesitate to retheme it if um, they felt it needed to be rethemed for marketing uh, or l- really marketability.
2: So Matt, on that same note, something that I was wondering about, just because I haven't gotten to play Wombat Rescue, um, I mean, it's obvious that the with the art and kind of the, the theme that you've taken, it stands out in that aspect. What mechanically are you really proud of, or do you think that really kind of sold Wombat Rescue? Because I haven't gotten a chance to play it, so I'm just interested in kind of what you like about how it works. I think the, the thing
3: that people kind of really grasp onto is the way that your smell areas work each of your poop cubes out on the board is going to generate a radius of two around it where you can move within that smell area because you can still (laughs) smell your poop. Um, And then the the more cubes you have out in the playing area, the further you can generally move uh, without having to leave your smell area and then be lost. So the way that the... Um, that the smell areas can develop and overlap uh, throughout the game is something I haven't really seen before. A lot of networking games, it's kind of um, you're gonna extend what you're doing a, uh, like a segment at a time, and here you can, if you know, if you do some clever things, you can make two or three disparate. Uh, smell areas just join into one at the same time, and all of a sudden you can navigate around the board very, very rapidly and quickly. Um, so I think that's that people kind of see the potential of how you can uh, build those, and I think that that kind of really kind of grabs people.
2: Yeah, cool,
0: excellent. All right, so before I let Tiff put you on the hot seat with the rapid <laughs> fires, um, just had a couple of questions from our, our loyal listeners. So our buddy Todd up in Canada. God save the queen. Um, (laughs) With their loonies. Yes, their loonies, which Matt aren't duck. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. I kid. Um, He's curious. What is your favorite game pre-2000? So, favorite game published pre-2000 that you play.
3: Oh, wow. Are we all going to answer this one or just me?
0: I wasn't born. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh wow, pre two thousand probably for sale. I'm gonna say, um, I think that I think that was pre two thousand. I think that was like late nineties. Um, I think a lot of the games from that era, you you kind of have Konigia games that have held up well and um, fillers that have held up well. And I'm not sure how much else has has really held up that well. Even some of the um, ALEA games from that era, I think. People have kind of devalued them as time has gone on. Um, so yeah, I think I think For Sale that's probably going to be uh, my my favorite one pre pre 2000. But that's a yeah
0: that's a really tough question. It is. I for know Sale
1: was no. 97. Looked
3: 97. Okay. 97. okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know when we did the Spiel des Jahres trivia last uh, episode. Just doing like the research to come up with the questions. I was just I was shocked that some games were as old as they were. It was one of those things. Where I was like, oh wow, okay. That's pretty that's pretty cool to see these games hold up over time. And for sales definitely one that. I actually just recently bought it like less than a year ago and for played it for the first time and love it. So, I agree. Yeah, yeah that's a, just an absolute
3: classic. And I think, you know, anything from that period if people are still playing then it's generally agreed that it's a, you know, it's a classic.
0: Yep. All right. So, um <laughs> we have um one from uh, Scott Scott King <laughs> was asking, "At what age did you first know that you were into poop, and how have you kept yourself interested as you've gotten older?" <laughs>
3: oh man, that that's da- treading dangerously into like scatological uh, territory there. Um, <laughs> you can plead the fifth; we'll be all right. Yeah, Scott, I'm I'm gonna say since I had the idea for the game, that's the best I can do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One more and then I'll turn it over to Tiff. This is from our buddy Dan Patrice over at the Geek All Stars, who Matt you are intimately familiar with since you sit next to him for most of his podcasts. <laughs> um the player colors in Wombat Rescue, they are definitely uh unique. Not I mean, they're ones you don't see every day. So you got blue, you've got purple, yellow. What was your what was your thinking behind that? And
3: that was actually um Simply limited color palette. <laughs> we we have... Because um, uh, the, the food discs in the game are green, orange, and black. And so none of those colors could be player colors. And green and black are kind of typical, not orange so much. Um, so, yeah, we have red and blue. And it's, a, it's actually a, a much brighter shade of blue than most. Um, that was so blue wouldn't blend in with black. And so blue was also... Uh, could be differentiated from purple which is a player color Uh, and then we have yellow which is also a brighter yellow again so it can be differentiated easily from orange so it was a lot of using my colorblind app on my phone and and trying to find the right
0: uh, shades that's cool and for anyone who hasn't checked it out again go check it out but the wombat meeples and the dingo meeples are amazing the um the wood in this game is really cool and so we came, want stretch goals to get those stickers on the food.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope we can hit it. Um, the The stretch goals in this uh, for this project are actually all ones um, that I designed specifically for the Kickstarter project, so they're not things that we pulled out, uh, you know, of like the base game. And I really, really want to get to the fifth player um, components at the very least. Because that way, you know, I like games that can kind of scale up um, to, to five players. Yeah, you Always, when you have a game night, like, oh, yeah, we're going to have four people. And then a fifth, fifth person shows up. Like, all right, what are we going to play now? And there's so many Euros that just go up to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to, to hit some of them and and, and get those uh, into the, the game for all the backers. Cool. All right,
0: Tiff, I'm going to turn it over to you.
1: All right. Well, I have a few few rapid-fire questions. These I tried to pick some new ones, so since it is concert season and I'm conducting a lot of orchestra whatnot, it made me think of if you could play one instrument, what would it be?
3: If I could play any instrument, hmm, I'd say saxophone, I think, just because that seems like a really cool instrument to play, and then I could you could get all the ladies by playing. That was
1: <laughs> oh, very soulful. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So, a game that you're looking for that you can't find right now. Being the hipster gamer.
3: Ah, uh, yeah. Hang on. Let me uh let me pull up my wish list here. I know there's one that I you can't find anywhere. Diamonds Club, um, which was mm. put out by Ravensburger um, back in. 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Um, designed by Roderick Dorn. I, I got to, to play this at a BGG Con in uh, 2014. Really liked it. it. It is around. You can you can find it, um, but I'm I'm just not I'm not willing to pay the prices that people want because uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really nice worker placement game, kind of resource uh, management. And if they ever reprint this, I'll I'll be on board.
1: All right. Okay. All right, so what's your preference here? Dice or cards?
3: Oh. I'm going to say cards in general. Yeah.
1: I thought so. Pandas or koalas, which one is cuter?
3: <laughs> koalas will just kill you. Uh so it has to be See, pandas. Thank I told you. you they were violent. Uh, yeah.
1: Dan's not here to defend his position, but this was a debate that we got into.
3: I mean, so. come on. Koalas are in Australia, so they must be poisonous in some manner that we don't know.
1: <laughs> That's so true. All right. Labyrinth or Dark Crystal? Ooh. They're movies.
3: I do you know them? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to abstain, though, because oh, no. it, it's either either I've never seen them or it's been so long that I have no memory of them anymore. <laughs>
2: Dark Crystal is Jim Henson at its, at its scariest.
3: Yes, very scary. Terrifying.
2: And Labyrinth, that had David Bowie in it, right?
3: Yes. Um, yeah.
1: So you almost <sighs> have to pick Labyrinth. It has David Bowie.
3: <laughs> I'll just pick Venture Brothers because David Bowie sort of appeared on that. So let's go with that.
1: Yeah. Deal, deal. <laughs> um, the last movie you saw in a theater.
3: Oh, it was just um, Age of Ultron. Uh, that Marcy and I went out to, to see. I was actually kind of disappointed in that.
1: I, I don't think you're the only one. Wait, you yeah. haven't?
2: Age of Ultron?
3: Yeah.
1: No.
2: Why were you disappointed?
3: It it just felt like there wasn't any tension, because you know there's like 17 more movies coming. So, oh, certainly Captain America isn't going to die, or anything bad's going to happen, because oh, he well, has no. another movie They're not that's gonna coming. going to kill any of them. Yeah. Oh, right, so nothing matters.
2: I do agree because, that... Yeah. I, I think there were some problems in that. I thought Ultron was underdeveloped. They really should have used him more. But this isn't a movie critique podcast. Sorry. I just, I did enjoy it from like an entertainment standpoint. Rapid
1: fire, rapid fire questions
2: ever. You you bring up comic books and I get all. I know. Proceed. Sorry.
1: All right. (laughs) Sherbert or Froyo?
3: Oh, Sherbert. That's not even, not
1: even close. I'm so glad. What's your favorite flavor of Sherbert, Matt Wolf?
2: Isn't there only orange sherbet?
1: Oh no, there's like a million flavors of sherbet. There's lime. There's raspberry. I, I think it might be raspberry, actually.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I'm they're all lime
1: yeah. myself.
3: They're all good. You can't go wrong with sherbet.
2: Don't it was just look orange. at me like that, man. Well, it's positive. Oh, is it just orange.
1: You need to expand <laughs> your sherbet horizons.
2: Apparently so. All
1: right, pick a color that best describes you.
2: Hmm. Oh, this is some like pop psychology stuff right here.
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna say purple i took a class on this that's very regal what
1: does that mean matt can mean, matt, it means i'm matt. evil
2: no <laughs> okay, no, no, no. it's it. it's uh it was the color it's like power and and royalty it's also oh. evil because it's well, not synonymous
3: you know
1: <laughs> 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 they do kind of go together now that you mention it all right your favorite game that you don't own that i don't own Which is going to be hard because you seem to own all of the
2: listeners could see the shelves behind (laughs) him,
3: and that's only a quarter. And right now, my wife is giving me a glare because uh, we own too many games and she hates it. Um, That I don't. Right there
1: with you, buddy.
3: (laughs) Wow, that's a that's a really tough question. I'm going to say Seven Wonders. I actually don't own Seven Wonders. Wow. Yeah, because I mean I know a bunch of people that have it. Yeah. it, the two-player game is not great, um, but it but it's a great game. But yeah, so Seven Wonders.
2: It's surprisingly sensible from a guy who has a gazillion games.
1: Are you one <laughs> of those guys that limits like you'll only buy games that are playable with two players because you play so many with your wife?
2: Um,
3: Like 90% of the time. There are exceptions, uh, but yeah, usually if it doesn't play two players or or it doesn't play two players well, I won't buy it.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right, here's an easier one. Star Trek or Star Wars?
3: Star Trek. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's you know what it is it's it's when they came out with those three prequel movies they just ruined star wars for me and i'm not even that excited for the new one even though the trailer looks great That's it's look just great. because of those prequels i can't they they poison the well
1: it's like matt wolf is inside my head sometimes
2: <laughs> this is just like when i podcast with you and dan this is <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: We should stop having my friends on the podcast. I
2: need to find my, my own friend to sit next to.
1: <laughs> the dumbest purchase you've ever made. It doesn't have to be board games.
2: I think it, it actually is board, board games. It could be board games.
1: It's not limited to.
3: I will go with with, uh, with board games, though. There's, um, um oh, I got to look up the title real quick here. Uh, it's a tea party game. It's not 11 Um, there are other tea party games yes it is fluffy bunny tea party Um, which the reason why I bought this yeah it actually has adorable art so my wife and I were at BGGCon this was 2013 uh, and we saw it in the library Uh, if you haven't seen pictures from the library it's just gigantic um, at, at BGGCon so they have almost every game you can think of we saw this on the shelf And we're like, that's a great title. We need to to play that. And every time we went back into the library, it was gone. So someone checked it out, and we could never find it again. I don't know if it was misplaced or whatever. So then I found it online, and I bought it for it for Christmas, and we played it. And it's horrendous. It is – it's – like the, some of the rules are like you must be polite to all other players, otherwise you lose. Like things like that,
2: and is it is not a good game. Oh, I it's love games that have social constraints for how you <laughs> have to play them.
3: It, 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 you can find it; it's it's uh, still easy to find. But man, it is. Uh, pre- prepare for disappointment. I'll put it that way.
1: I love bunnies. I love tea parties.
2: It's hipster. It's a shame. It was the second copy that he bought but that he it, regretted. <clears throat> The first copy fine. <laughs> you know, put two copies together,
3: play with lots of people. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Epic. Yeah. Epic fluffy, fluffy bunny. bunny tea party. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Your favorite fictional character of all time?
3: Uh, I'm going to say... <laughs> these are
1: hard-hitting questions, apparently. These
3: are, yeah. I'm going to say... Um, have you ever read Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency by Douglas Adams? The guy no. did. No. So he did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. Um, so he did. There's a separate series. There's two books in it, um, and Dirk Gently is the the title the character uh, in that series, and he's a detective who um, thinks that all things all thinks that all things in the universe are interconnected in some w- manner, and he just has to figure out how. And the uh, so when he uh, gets a new case he's trying to figure out how all these disparate things are all uh, joined and they're they're really funny and they're really interesting and and when I read that you know as a youngin, it made a big impression um, so yeah trick gently that that one's out of left field.
1: Nice. I love to read, so I'll have to check that out see if we have the same taste in books.
3: Mm. I bet we do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. so And I'll round it out with um, a game that you wish you had designed. Hmm,
3: Carcassonne. Because <laughs> um, that game is just brilliant. And it, it has a slightly different scope depending on the number of players you're playing with. You know, with two players, it's, it's super cutthroat. With more mm-hmm. players... You, know, you, can have, you can actually have a little bit of social elements come in and be like, no, 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 no. You need to block that guy over there. And yeah, it's it's just a brilliant game. Um, and it's it's a system game where you, you can just keep coming out with expansions and things like that. So it's not a standalone. Uh, I don't know whether um, the designer designed it as a system in the beginning where he was planning on having expansions or not, but it is a system. And that's something I'm super jealous about because I, I have trouble... Uh, when I design a game, it's holistic. I I, I have um, difficulty seeing it as a system and seeing how maybe I could you know add expansions and things like that. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just the way that um, you know my game design brain works. Um, but yeah, Carcassonne. Yeah, so to be able to design something like that, that would be pretty phenomenal.
1: All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I was just looking at they re-released the Hunters and Gatherers, and I was thinking about picking that up because I love Carcassonne. But. That's,
3: a, that's a really good version. Uh, it does, yeah. does some different things, and yeah, it's really good. The artwork, I don't know if they've changed the artwork at all. The artwork, they
1: didn't. It's, they did, the, it's same. the same. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it can be a little difficult to pick things out um because of the artwork but it is a really good version if you like i played
1: it once a long time ago and i thought it was pretty good but it's been so long maybe maybe that was just like i was at the beginning of playing things i don't know but that's all the questions i had do we matt probably wants to like talk or plug his kickstarter a little bit and talk about where people can reach him
2: well, oh, yeah. So, Matt, we appreciate you joining us. And before we do any kind of sign-off, let's go ahead and chat about the project details for Wombat Rescue. So, um, it,
3: it's live on Kickstarter now. Um, it is running until June 15th. So, it's a full 30-day project, which was a surprise to me. I thought it was going to be shorter. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, the Right now, as we're talking, um, it's about 77% funded. Um, so, by the time this podcast drops... Anyone see what I did there? Uh, then it might already be funded. Uh, $39 pledge level for the game. That includes shipping if you're in the US. Um, if you're not, then uh, Kickstarter will add whatever the appropriate shipping is for your, for your country. I'm not really sure how the shipping prices are, so I apologize. I can't comment on that. Um, for the Price, In my personal opinion, I think you're getting uh, a lot of components uh, in the game, and I, I think it's definitely worthwhile. Obviously, that's going to be up to uh, the individual. Um, I actually had to uh, strongly, strongly uh, advise that they change the pledge level from 29 with $10 shipping to $39, uh, including free shipping. <laughs> so um, I, I think that's, that's worked out uh, much better. Very nice. Yeah, and uh, so, so yeah, check out the the project. Um, you, I would be just ecstatic if you back. Or you can also uh, talk to me on Twitter at Matt Wolf uh, E on the end of Wolf. Um, if you have any questions, you can ping me on Twitter,
2: or you can post on the BGG
3: page for Wombat Rescue, and I'll find it.
2: Yeah, Matt. I mean, you're plenty active on our forum and and BGG as a whole, so. Definitely cool that you keep that line of communication open, and we always appreciate that.
3: Yeah, I, I I like to you know to converse with people, and and it's fun talking about you know it's a hobby that you're uh, interested in, and yeah. especially especially in this hobby where you know most people are just you know good
2: nice people to talk with.
3: You know, yeah. It's other other hobbies not so much.
1: <laughs> Agreed.
2: Well, yeah. So that's Wombat Rescue. Definitely one that you guys should check out. Tiff and Dan can give the gameplay endorsement. I can just simply say it looks awesome and I'm looking forward to getting in my plays of it and, you know, probably end up with two copies floating around our game group. Uh, I would not be surprised. So go check it out. You got plenty of time um, to, you know, check out the project, to ask some questions, to see if it's something for you. But it's definitely unique. And if you're a hipster gamer like these two, definitely one that you're going to want on your shelf that game about Wombat poop. Well, we are going to go ahead and sign off. That is the end of episode 22 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. You can always reach out to us on all of our different social media places. uh, Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers on BGG Guild number 2077. We'll have a post up for this. You can find Matt there. He's very kind to comment on our posts and he's active in our community. Uh, The best place to find us, though, as always, is Twitter. So, Tiff, if people want to reach out to you, where do they find you?
1: I am at inept gamer.
2: And Matt, go ahead and give us your Twitter handle again. I am at Matt Wolf with an E on the end of Wolf. You can reach the League at League Nonsense or Dan personally at scandalous underscore nad and you can find me at Cinnamon Buns. And we're good. Everyone can say goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> long as you're uncomfortable Dan's meeting his goal yep (laughs) that's my middle name
3: that's your interview style I see
2: it is it is it's
0: very Barbara Walters (laughs) (laughs) hello Matthew
2: (laughs) (laughs) he's on a roll Tiff he's on a roll
1: I'm so uncomfortable so it's great
2: I need to find someone I can interview and Richard the whole time Maybe Richard. We can we'll do get a, Richard we on. We can here. do a sode of you just. Uh, that should be a segment. Richard Lanius's is Richard. Richard interviews, and it'll just be you as Richard talking to people.
1: <laughs> me just <laughs> crying in the corner. I hate it. I hate it so much.
2: People would listen to twenty minutes of Dan talking at Tiff as Richard and her just going, "Uh, I'm uncomfortable." Uh,
1: apparently, people really love to hear me cry. Like that's.
2: People love it and make Tiff feel
0: awkward. Is that feedback yeah. that you got? I've had got?
1: several people tell me that. Yeah. I love hearing you get uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you would. you should just hang out with me because that's all the time.
2: All the time.